Three there is a pile of corks slowly accumulating under the mic. That might be a metaphor for our show. Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Melissa Kirscher and Wendy Bowlesby. Welcome, listeners, to Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I am Melissa, and this is my co-host, Wendy. And we are here with special super guest star, Pat Harrigan. Hello. Yay. Yay. So we are we are back with Pat, and we are going to talk about Hammer films. Oh, please, Hammer, don't hurt him. <laughs> so so yes we're we're going to talk about hammer studios a while and some of the highlights of of their studio now history. listeners yes. those of you who are knowledgeable even those of you who aren't knowledgeable i'm not knowledgeable and even i knew there's a fuckload of hammer films there are almost 300 of the goddamn things so there's yeah. no way we're going to talk about them all so we're going to just focus on a couple of them some of them whatever we feel like it's so just be aware when you say hammer that's not a genre. That's more of a small European nation. Yeah. So there's a lot more out there for you to explore besides what we talk about. We could probably do a whole year's worth of episodes on Hammer and still have a couple left over. F-Y-I. So much Hammer. Hammer time. Hammer time. <laughs> <laughs> I figured I'd get that out of the way right away. It's going to be running through my head the entire time. I'm just, yeah. I can't help it. So what are what are we drinking again? Oh, we are we, still we, drinking because Pat yes. brought three bottles. It's like he knows us. Yeah. Of the Cocoban. Cocoban Vineyard. Cocoban sits in the whiny tree, making all us all drunk as we can be. <laughs> it's a California wine. It is a red blend, and we are very much enjoying it. It's tasty. Yes. It is tasty. It is a very pleasant companion. Thank you, Pat. Anytime. Thank you. Bravo, my friend. So to start us off with with Hammer, <laughs> Hammer, <laughs> be hammered as we are. Oh, we're uh, hammered. Let's talk about Hammer. Uh, 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 I'm clever. I'm clever. Okay, no. So embarking upon Hammer, what yes. do we love about Hammer? Why are we talking about Hammer? Let, let's embark on, on this for a moment. So they're most known for their gothic horror films yes uh mostly from the 50s 60s and 70s mm -hmm. and uh many of them star peter cushing and christopher lee that i can get behind those are those, those are the ones that most people know and those are the ones that they're remembered for mm. and in as much as they have a place in film history it's because of those right mm. they're kind of the next generation of dracula and frankenstein after the universal horror movies the hollywood universal horror movies of the 30s as I was doing a bit of research, as I knew this episode was coming up, and I started to read about it, the big thing was 
as Hammer started developing films, they were wanting to make films in full color. Mm -hmm. But they were wanting to do horror films like Universal had done. And there was all this problematic stuff about, whoa, we can't tread on the trademark. How do we do this without making it exactly like the Universal films? And so as they were developing these scripts that were really focused on violence and horror... And the studio, and especially the the U, the UK sort of, I guess, board, what would be our, you know, ratings board, right. would come back and be like, uh, "You're gonna make these films are really violent and really horror filled and bloody, and you're gonna make them in color. This is worse than any X-rated film we've ever made. We don't know if we can get behind this, and yet Hammer." produced them they were super duper popular and of course you know the ratings board let him go and so what i mostly remember about the the hammer horror films granted the coloration's a little bit off so all the blood is suspiciously pink slash orange yeah it, it, it's a bizarre color yeah. <laughs> it's a very strange color but the loving treatment of that blood the way they would linger on it and sort of lavish it about and be like mm, look at this blood flowing did you see how it oozed out oh there's a spray of blood that that whole sort of concept of horror at this time they had a lot of fun with things like organs in tanks to a beating heart <laughs> in the frankenstein movies uh, they spent a lot of time on those practical props. Yeah, mostly I think about blood and Christopher Lee. Very strangely pink blood and Christopher Lee. And in the design of Hammer films, they were very in love with the color on the screen. They they loved the... It, it, there were these lush sets, even though mm -hmm. a lot of them were made very cheaply. Uh, but there they were these great locations and these great sets and very colorful costumes and things like that well, yeah. they really knew how to make gothic happen on a budget right like because they, they felt gothic so so pat uh before we get distracted by pizza we were talking about the sets so a lot of the look of hammer from the 50s and 60s was the result of them just using all of the same goddamn sets and costumes over and over again. <laughs> whenever we watch a movie, uh, whenever my wife and I watch uh, a Hammer movie, we always give a little applause for the Hammer candelabra, right? <laughs> like, oh, so usually somebody's throwing it at somebody else. So, it, yeah, it's a small, they were filmed at, um, uh, I don't remember if it's Bray or Pinewood Studios. Eventually they moved them or whatever. Mm -hmm. But they had relatively permanent uh, locations there that they would just dress up with their usual gothic accoutrement, mm -hmm. sprayed with spider webs and things like that. And mm -hmm. eventually they would buy a, a, a country house that they would film uh, the TV series at, the Hammer House of Horror. Which is which fun. I've seen that. It's a lot of fun. It's yeah. got Brian Cox in one of the episodes. Oh, I love him. Other some was other it, memorable faces. Wasn't Denholm Elliott in one of them? Yep, Denholm yeah, Elliott. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, it's good. good. Turns it's good. out, by the way, I didn't know this, that was their second TV series. Oh. There was a TV series called Journey into the Unknown. Wikipedia tells me 
was in, I don't know, 1969 or something like that, which I just found a bootleg of on eBay and have waiting it for me at my apartment, but I haven't watched it yet. So oh, well, if we record this again in a month, I'll have more to say about it. That's amazing. Oh, oh. That amazing. I love it. I love it. Mm. But most people think of Hammer. When most people think of Hammer, they think of the fifties and sixties gothic stuff. They think of horror of Frankenstein, or I'm sorry, horror of Dracula, Curse of Frankenstein, the Mummy, that kind of stuff. They have the same sorts of sets. They have the same candelabra. They all have Peter Cushing and or Christopher Lee. <laughs> they have Christopher Lee hissing as yeah. Dracula. Yeah. <sighs> he didn't. He didn't want to come back as Dracula. It took him a while. It took him about ten years to come back from mm. the first movie and then he didn't speak in Dracula Prince of Darkness he just yes like you say yeah <laughs> I'm I'm Chris Ridley. then he just threw in the fucking towel and was like fine I'll do a Dracula movie every year <laughs> you know it pays it's, the fucking bills it's reliable employment mm-hmm. I mean when you're a movie actor getting to do a movie every year is pretty okay because most of us most of us like i'm one most of them don't end up being like you know top tier hollywood stars where they get to pick and choose so so something like 10 years ago i looked at it was imdb or a feature thereof or some other website that did the kevin bacon thing where they tracked the number of connections between actors and it statistically charted who was the most central movie actor of all time Number one was, can you guess? Christopher Lee. He was number two. Oh. Who was number one? Rod Peter Steiger. Oh, of course. He's just all over the place. But I yes, Christopher know. Lee was number two because he's had such a long career. He's worked with everybody. He's worked in America and England for a long time. Mm-hmm. And he's worked on such high profile movies that have like the Bond, or like Man with the Golden Gun yeah. or whatever. So he that gives him all of these little networks too. Yeah, and, and yeah. he's worked with Mufune, so, which means he's, uh, he's, yeah, he's got the Japanese stuff over Japanese there. Japanese connection, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah, Rod Steiger. Of course he would be number one. I don't think of Rod Steiger. It was a surprise to me, too. Yeah. That's amazing, though. Yeah. And maybe it's different now if I were to yeah. look it up. But but I, w- I was pleased to discover at the time that Christopher Lee was number two because, yeah, he did seem to be at least connected to everything I was watching. At the that, time. that certainly Kevin makes sense. Kevin Bacon wishes he were Christopher Lee. He'd have to be taller. <laughs> <laughs> so four-sided triangle so this is an interesting one yeah it's from the 50s okay so this is one of the earlier ones that we have seen the us in the room we have seen we should we should back up and say hammer films was founded in the 1930s like in 1935 and uh they were making like quota quickies which means they were making cheap domestic films that were like filler to kind of support bigger budget movies but, uh, you know, they kind of started coming into the own in, in the 50s. I have two collections yeah. of, of Hammer film noir films from the 40s and early 50s at mm-hmm. my apartment, none of which I have watched. <laughs> uh, but I will at some point. Um, <laughs> Second bottle's dead. Second bottle's dead. Third one on its way. Oh, my God. This is happening. <laughs> but it, Four-Sided Triangle is the earliest of all the Hammers that I've seen. And mm-hmm. it's a science fiction film. And it's a four-sided triangle because it's a love triangle, but one of the people is involved in a scientific experiment, and their sex gets changed back and forth. So sometimes she's a woman, and sometimes she's a man. And as a woman, she's in love with another man, and as a man, she's in love with another woman. 
<gasps> so it's a four-sided triangle. You see how they did that? Wait, 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 wait. As a woman, she's in love with another woman? No, as a woman... No, this is 1956. That's not going to I was like, it. was it totally gay, too? No, that... But... Yes, if it were made 20 no. years later at the same studio, yes, it would be. Yes. <laughs> so no. as a woman, she's in love with another man. And yes. as a man, she's in love with so another So it's as woman. if the three of us were in this room, and Melissa is a woman, and I'm a man, and you're a man sometimes, and a woman other times. And when I'm a man, I'm in love with Melissa, and when I'm a woman, I'm in love with you. Exactly. Okay, that's Crazy Pants. It is Crazy Pants. <laughs> it's a really fun Whoa. movie, and it's got the kind of lush, romantic triangle music, and the attitude of the Douglas Sirk-y kind of oh, yeah. over, uh, overdone. I'm I'm selling it way too much. You know, it's a tiny little B movie, and it's totally yeah. weird, but you, you uh, have it's, invoked, it's worth seeing. You yeah. have invoked the Sirk on us. You know, we, <laughs> and Sirk is a reason addition to my catalog and i'm in love with him right now yeah. so yeah. that's that's pretty pretty great that's that's like tantalizing me into oh well i'm gonna have to walk that back yeah it's in okay. black and white it's Aww. none of the Doug- douglas sirk okay that's fine, colors, that's fine. But, okay yeah. that's fine i get it i get it but you're trying to say it's enjoyable yes. so yeah so seek it out okay yes. okay so that was four-sided triangle so the other stuff from the 50s uh-huh. even before you get to horror of dracula you get Quatermass. Quatermass. Quatermass yes. is so great. TV serial originally. Yes. Which I haven't seen yet. But Hammer did three films. Two in the uh, two in the 50s, one in the 60s. And a movie called X the Unknown mm-hmm. right after the first Quatermass. Which is Quatermass in everything but name. It's got Leo McKern, one of my favorite guys. Ooh, Leo McKern is the best. I love him. I'm gonna hand he also looks like my stepdad. So <laughs> I always have this additional bit of kind of... Char- enjoyment out of uh, watching. I just love him. Anyway. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm on intermission. Wendy's fine, everyone. Okay. I'm fine. I'm fine. We're Everybody calm here. down. It's okay. It's okay. Calm it down. Shh. So Quatermass. Yeah, Quatermass so is written amazing. by Nigel Neal. Yes. Uh, who's, uh, I, I, he wrote The Stone Tape, which is something that you love. I adore The Stone you know. Tape. Dear listeners, The Stone Tape is an amazing thing. But we'll we'll get into that later at some point. Yeah. At some other episode. Okay. Uh, note. Okay. Ping. We need to come back to the stone tape later. Yeah. It's not a hammer, so it might be a different. Yeah. No. Yeah. Xanadu, so totally different. Cinema dome pod. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't right. Was That's it? okay. We we get to that point too. <laughs> you can edit that out. Oh, I can. Yeah. There's a lot that gets edited in somewhere else. <laughs> so, but Nigel Neal was kind of a big presence in film and television, British film and television for a while. He wrote the original Quatermass serials, mm-hmm. which then Hammer made film versions of. Um, but he also wrote things like Hammer's The Abominable Snowman or the abominable snowman of the Himalayas, depending on what you want to call it. Mm-hmm. 1957 has got Peter Cushing in it, mm-hmm. because they mostly have Peter Cushing in it. And that's <laughs> terrific. If you can find that one, that's great. It's got a tight little script. It's very much, you know, we're up on a mountain, and uh, things get worse for us, and I'm a man, and you're a man, and we're arguing, and there's a Yeti somewhere. <laughs> that sound great. Okay, it's why perfect. did Peter Cushing end up in all these movies? Did he really not have anything better to do? Reliable employment. I, and I that sounded terribly judgy. No, but I, I mean, let's be honest. Hammer at this time was not exactly top tier work. Well, he wasn't a very well known actor either. I've read his autobiography, but it's been a while. He spent the pre war and war years in America, and his career didn't really get going. Uh, I know that one of his very first roles was that he was in 
either the Count of Monte Cristo or the Man in the Iron Mask, whichever one has a, a twin. You know? <laughs> That's the Man in the Is Iron Mask. Is that the Man yeah. in the Iron Mask? So whoever he was, he was the guy who, when they did sword fights and scenes together, was the guy they cut out because they would film it twice and the main actor would be one guy fighting with Peter Cushing and then they'd reverse it and he'd be the other guy fighting with Peter Cushing. <laughs> and then when they optically cut the film and stuck it together, the people who were taken out were Peter Cushing. <laughs> so he Peter filmed Cushing. the movie, but is not in the movie. Mm-hmm. So that's that was sort of his career before... 19, yeah. 1950 or so that he comes back to <laughs> yeah I mean we'd, to we'd, he's such a staple now that it's like why would Peter Cushing be in these films well because because it's because of these films that he's Peter Cushing this is where he got started yeah which is things like Abominable great. Snowman of the Himalayas and, and uh, two men arguing on a mountain with a yeti well mm-hmm. the yeti that's is mostly you... an off screen presence that's <laughs> The Yeti is like potential. There's an abominable snowman there somewhere. The Yeti is potential. It's so philosophical. How deep of you, Pat? It's a superpositioned Yeti. <laughs> Anywho, this is a really good movie. You guys should check it out. It's, it's Nigel Neal. Anything Nigel Neal is, uh, writes is worth something. Oh, absolutely. In fact, I just discovered the other day, it's totally off topic. Oh, it's fine. He did one of the early drafts of Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. <gasps> one really? of my favorite bad horror movies. Yeah, I'm sure. Oh, any they're of wonderful. The, it's I, wonderful. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. I, I, I really like Season of the Witch ones. It took me a while because I had to get past the fact that it wasn't a Michael Myers movie. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's why it failed. Yeah. Because everybody thought it should be. Yeah. Anyway, he, he was involved in the scripting at some level. That's probably amazing. All, probably all the good parts. <laughs> I, I expect so. All right, what's next? So we've got... Um, I'm going to keep you fuckers on task. Oh, that's great. Laser focused. <laughs> um, from here... Goal oriented. Well, from from Quatermass, we start getting into the sweet spot of horror. Yeah, the next year, 1958, is Dracula. Yeah. yeah Dracula wait, and Frankenstein. Wait, I thought Frankenstein was first. You're right. Frankenstein is first. Totally right. Same okay. year, 1957. Okay. Quatermass, 1955. Curse of Frankenstein, 57. Abominable Snowman, 57. Mm-hmm. Dracula 58. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right there. Everybody All calm right down. There. <laughs> <laughs> so you've seen those. We've all seen these. Oh, yes. Oh, I haven't yes. seen the Abominable Snowman. You threw that in there. FYI. Yeah. Ah, it's totally oh, but, the best. But it, yeah. I can't believe you haven't seen the Abominable Snowman in the Himalayas. I, I, I need to see it. I need to see it. But yeah. But, but yes. Add it to the list, Melissa. Oh, I will. I will. But yes, Curse of Frankenstein and Horror of Dracula. Are yes. magnificent. That's I mean, they're started. Oh, I'm that's interrupting what, you. No, no, please, please go that's ahead. What started their whole thing. Yeah, that's the, why people know who Hammer is. The curse of Frankenstein was hugely popular. Hugely, even though, like I said, the UK ratings board or whatever was like, uh, this is very. Oh, I don't. Blood and brains and corpses. Oh, oh my goodness! And you're going to show it in color. And then their monocle fell off. Yes. Yeah, and, and, and that's when Wendy turned into Terry Thomas again. <laughs> oh, heavens. Oh, heavens. We can't have that. But they, it, but Curse of Frankenstein was hugely popular. And they're like, hey, there's a there's something we could do with this. Let's make money. Cha-ching. So much money. So much money. And, of course, you know, they eventually spawned many, many sequels, bo- both the Frankenstein and the Dracula franchise. Mm. And, of course, also other monster movies like The Mummy and Curse of the Werewolf. 
And I mean, from the Wikipedia article I read, if I were Terry Terry Thomas, um, from the Wikipedia article, of course, what they were kept bumping up against was the the original stories were generally in public domain, like Frankenstein. Mary Shelley was in public domain, but the Universal films, which weren't that long prior, Mm -hmm. they're like, well, shit. On the one hand. Frankenstein is in the public domain, but on the other, we can't make it too similar to the Universal film or we're going to get copyright infringement. So, ah, uh, we got to come up with something. Uh. Yeah, they, they kind of veer 10 degrees off course. <laughs> yes. So, well, yeah. we're going to uh, tell this story over here in this antechamber. Yeah. yeah. And the design of Christopher Lee's monster is nothing like Boris Karloff. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yay, Christopher Lee. Don't get me wrong, but Boris Karloff will always be frankenstein i'll agree with that although i'm really fond of the curse of the werewolf movie because it's oliver reed i've never seen it really speak to it oh man it's been so many years since i've seen it but it's it's oliver reed werewolf and really that is your selling point right there if you don't know who oliver reed is you have missed out on a lot of enjoyment oliver reed is he's kind of this balls out actor i mean he is he, 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 not just because of the name, but yeah. he's sort of the generations before Oliver Platt. Well, wait, that's a really the weird comparison. I'm sorry. I, they, they look similar. They do kind of, Oliver Reed does have that barrel chested thing going, but I think that's about where the but, comparison But they ends. both, no, they both choose scenery like nobody's business. But Oliver uh, Platt isn't a famous drunk will punch your face off and fuck right. every woman he sees i mean okay Oliver Reed is, I, is... I i am not saying that you're wrong but i am offering as exhibit a lake placid and i am offering as well, exhibit no. b three musketeers i i would i would say that oliver platt is eminently fuckable but oliver reed has gone had has had gone on record saying that he would fuck every human being on the planet or something to that extent. Okay, okay. I mean, that, that was that was his goal. That was his life goal. Drunk British men actors. Yeah. He just Peter he, O'Toole, Oliver okay, Reed, Richard Perhaps Burton. my connection yeah. to them was too strong, but in my head they are linked. <laughs> so Oliver Reed was a werewolf. So he, he was also oh, oh um <laughs> Way to pull his back, Pat. Sorry, I tried. You know, he was also no, it was brilliant. Royal Flash. Have you ever seen Royal Flash, the Richard Lester no, movie? From I it's about the same Three Musketeers, Four Musketeers. Period. He plays Otto von Bismarck. <laughs> it's really? based on the George MacDonald Fraser novel, uh, wow. the Flashman novels. That that that's something. That is, Malcolm McDowell is the leader. It's got oh my uh, god, Britt yes. Eklund in it. It's Ooh. terrific. So, but it's so about, everybody in Britain. Everybody in, in Britain. Okay. Yeah, it's very good. Okay. Um, nice. It's not a Hammer movie. Which is what we're talking about. Yeah. We're talking with a laser focus on laser Hammer focus. films. Laser focus. Okay, then. Well, we, Oliver we missed... Reed was in one Hammer movie. Was in one Hammer movie, but it was his first big screen credit. Yes. Um, and in talking about our the monster movies, the 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 birth of Hammer horror, we did miss the Mummy, which is <sighs> which is kind of this weird anecdote to <laughs> to that family of movies. Well, they were doing all the, the yeah. universal ones. They did the Mummy and Frankenstein. And yeah, they and were the Dracula. And they they're did like, the oh, thing. those were popular. Yeah. Let's do those, only slightly different, so we don't get sued. 
Mm-hmm. I have a confession, you guys. I don't really like the Dracula very much. I've seen it like a dozen times. <laughs> You're trying to make yourself it's like it? It's got Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee and Michael Goff. Yeah. And yeah, Michael Goff. everything about it is great, except the scripting is a disaster. Yeah. It's all just all over the place. It's so weird. I, I they they switch Mina and Lucy for some reason. Like these characters yeah. are there for no reason, and and later late in the movie, it's there. Where does the count have his his coffins? Oh, is it here? We have to look at this part, this part. You know. Oh, it turns out they're in the basement of Michael Goff's character's mansion, <gasps> and it's supposed to be a big surprise, and it's kind of funny. It's <laughs> it's it's like what the hell? And then they have the big chase at the end mm-hmm. from the manor to Castle Dracula, and it turns out this that all of this has been taking place with what must be like twenty minutes down the road from each other. I thought mm-hmm. they were in England, and then they were in Germany. I'm just I'm I, it just oh ladies, it just it's <laughs> driving me drives me batty every time I see it. Uh, Are the sequels any now better? Now it has the great final scene where they're on the they're chasing each other on foot through Castle Dracula, and then they have the you know the sunlight comes in through the thing, and Peter Cushing holds up the two candlesticks, the hammer candelabras, and mm-hmm. and uh, and you know puts the shadow of the cross in the Count's face, and he goes, <laughs> and then he Peter Cushing jumps up on the table and rips down the curtains, and then the sunlight hits the Count, and he goes, <laughs> and then he disintegrates. <laughs> Now, you'd have to have a heart of stone not to love that. That's fucking great. Well, yeah, it but is. But the movie is. up to that point is kind of like, eh, whatever. Yeah, you're just well, how do you weird. feel about the sequels? Because well, they made a fuckload of sequels. They made a fuckload of sequels. I just watched Dracula, Prince of Darkness the other day. Is that this? Whatever. Yeah. Whatever the one that came right after it was. Yeah. And that's not very good either. <laughs> it's just, the, the, most of the Dracula sequels are not very good except for Christopher Lee until they get, um, well, there's, there's, a, there's a few that are fun. The one right after Horror of Dracula is Brides of Dracula, which has Peter yeah. P- Peter Cushing, but not Christopher Lee. So they have a mm-hmm. different dude playing uh, the head vampire. He's not Dracula. He's a different vampire. Uh, and that's quite good. That's got the burning windmill at the end. That's, yeah. a, that's a call yeah, out yeah, yeah. to Frankenstein. Uh, so that's quite a good movie. And then once you get into the wacky 70s period of Hammer films, then you've got Dracula 1972 AD uh, and uh, whatever the one after that is called. And that's got Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee back together again. And that has crazy 1970s fun about it. But for the most part, they're kind of a snooze. Mm-hmm. Those Dracula, those Dracula sequels. I'm sorry. What about the? It's all right. Well, then, what are your favorite Hammer films? Oh, it's it, it's mostly performances that I like a lot. I like I like Peter Cushing and I like um, and I like Christopher Lee. But I I like a lot of their gothic stuff from the '60s that. I'm looking up on Wikipedia right now to remind <laughs> myself things like uh, the the Gorgon. Yeah, I've got the, oh, the yes, list we pared it. down yes, here. Gorgon, die, die, my darling, you, yeah. you wanted to mention. <laughs> Plague of the Zombies, yeah. Respute and the Mad Monk, um, the one that's not on that list, The Reptile, that oh, has yeah. uh, Jacqueline Pierce, who would go on to play Servalan and Blake Seven. That mm-hmm. one's terrific. She's she's a lizard lady, but she's tortured about it. <laughs> it's totally beautiful. She's like well, 18 years old or something, and it's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. And then she's sometimes a vampire or a, a lizard lady. That's amazing. Yeah, no, that's a, oh, and the Devil Rides Out, based on the Dennis Wheatley novel. That's got the Devil Rides Out is amazing. I I really kind of love that one. Let Let's talk about that one a little bit. But okay. you probably remember the plot a little. It's bit a Dennis it. Wheatley novel. Yeah. Uh, and so it's got his usual Satanist stuff happening. It's got <laughs> Charles Gray as the big bad guy. Yes. It has um, 
Christopher Lee in a rare good guy role. Mm -hmm. And it has that other British actor. (laughs) 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 Is totally, I'm forgetting. Um, It's a Richard Matheson script. Oh, that's right. One of the. I remember that. One of the reasons it's so good. Oh, and Paul Eddington, of course. How could I forget Paul Eddington? (laughs) How could you? From Good Neighbors, if you ever saw that. How could you? Yes, Minister. Yes, Prime Minister. Mm-hmm. That he's one of uh, he's one of the guys in that. It's a terrifically written script, probably really schlocky, bad original material. Right? Dennis Wheatley was not a great writer, uh, but Richard Matheson was. Yeah. So he made a, a terrific script out of it. It's got great scenes. Well, what's it about? Oh, well, it's about the devil. Does he, he, does he ride out? He does. Oh, well, he does. Well, something rides out. Oh, yeah. It's a demon of some sort. Yeah. But but there there's this whole cult demonology thing, and it's it's fascinating because you never really quite know where the movie is going. Okay, it, 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 it there's not a real standard plot to it. I, I found it consistently surprising, and I really enjoyed it. It's a lot of fun. Christopher Lee plays this aristocratic. I know all about the devil. I'm an occultist kind of guy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I forget the circumstances by which uh, he and his pals acquire this young woman who's going to be sacrificed to the devil by Charles Gray. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but she comes under their care and she falls in love with the young male lead played by somebody forgettable. <laughs> somebody uh, pretty. They're subject to various sorts of supernatural attacks by Charles Gray. At one point... Um, I believe he uh, makes the windshield of the car that they're driving go suddenly opaque, so oh. they so they crash. And at one point, a supernatural creature invades their their uh, manor house, and mm-hmm. they all have to stand in a circle with occult symbols around it as the wind howls and a thing on horseback. Maybe it's the devil riding out. I don't know. Comes in <laughs> and you know threatens them and things like. That. And then yeah, but it's just a terrific example of seventies devil cult movies. Nice. Oh, it, it's one of my favorite seventies devil cult movies. Like, okay, it, like that and the uh, Peter Fonda traveling across ride the country. with the devil. Ride with the devil tra- oh, traveling I... across the country in a motorhome. I remember that one. <laughs> I love that one so much. Anyway. That that's not in a hammer movie. <laughs> put a pin in that. For... Put, a, put a pin in that. You know one. what? Seventies devil cult movies is a topic we need to revisit. We ooh, that's a good idea. I like that idea. Moving on. Moving on. So okay. there was also kind of this period of cave people mm-hmm. hammer movies, and like one million BC. One million years BC from 1966 was Raquel Welch's first movie. Oh, that's right, with the iconic. Fur bikini, the fur bikini thing. Oh, on. very iconic. That is yeah. the most famous image of her ever. Mm-hmm. More famous for being a Raquel Welch movie than for being a Hammer movie. I don't imagine most people think of it as a Hammer movie because mm-hmm. it's so anomalous. Right. But it was so successful that they did three more cave <laughs> people movies. They did uh, Slave Girls, also known as Prehistoric Women, mm-hmm. The Lost Continent, and a movie that I just watched. Oh, uh, oh uh, also When Dinosaurs Ruled the Earth. Oh, and then a movie I just watched the other day with uh, Matt Kesson, who I know has been a guest on your yeah. show before. Yes. Creatures the world forgot <laughs> with Julie Edge, uh, who is like a Norwegian actress who showed up also in Hammer's Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. Okay, this is a pretty interesting movie. Um, it's pretty good for what it is. I wouldn't recommend that anybody watch it necessarily. It's a uh, <laughs> 
love it. We were trying to figure out what the title referred to, Creatures the World Forgot, right? Uh, It doesn't actually have any dinosaurs or anything in it. It's much more close to reality uh, in terms of the history of it. There's Mm -hmm. cave people. They don't talk. They grunt and they make signs and things like that, but there's no dialogue in the movie at all. Okay. So very Clan of the Cave Bear. Yeah. Clan of the Cave Bear. I suppose Quest for Fire. Quest for Fire. That's right. (laughs) Something like that. So they they go around and every so often they'll kill something like, um, I don't know, an antelope or Mm -hmm. whatever. You'll see a a snake or whatever. Every time one of those came on, Kesson is like, nope, world remembers. (laughs) That's not a creature the world forgot. That's something that's well known. Anyway, it's all right, you know, so listeners, uh, it's all right. Go out and see <laughs> Creatures the World Forgot. There's lots of scantily clad, dirty cave people in it. You wanted to talk about you Moon wanted... Zero. Moon Zero 2. 2, because right? it's not 1. This was the other movie that we watched at our Minor Hammer Horror Fest okay. the other day. Uh, so Moon Zero 2 has yeah. a really snappy psychedelic 60s theme song oh sweet. moon zero two da, 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 da. i don't ask me to do it but <laughs> look, look, look it up on youtube it, it has this animated sequence that's got this little cartoon american guy and this little cartoon russian guy landing on the moon and all these things happen and it's oh adorable and it's adorable Do, uh, does it look like one of those inspector clouseau Cartoons. Uh, yes, exciting. actually, it looks awesome. it's very much like that with the kind of short squat figures, uh-huh. and they go. So it has nothing to do with the movie. Sweet. Um, but the movie itself, we wound up f- kind of falling in love with. It's uh, about this guy who runs a moon shuttle service, or he's a salvage operator. He goes out and finds like, oh, this satellite has got a meteorite through it, so he'll take it and he'll bring it back for some money and things like that. And he gets involved in this scheme. Uh, by this evil guy with a beard and a monocle to crash a an asteroid that's full of sapphires that's full of sapphire onto the moon and it uh, because of various complications that's illegal but it's not unethical by this guy's standards and he needs money or whatever and he's going to go do it and things like that and it it's essentially a western yeah, it's you know, <laughs> we're on this frontier but the frontier happens to be on the moon and we're getting in this un- unethical thing uh, involved with a, a rich man and a mine and things like that and various claims because people go out on the moon and they lay claims to I'm going to dig here and I'm going to find nickel and I'm going to you know, get money for it and things like that. Anyway, mm-hmm. it's got uh, Catherine Schell who uh, was in, in the same year she's in On Her Majesty's Secret Service as one of Bond's girls mm-hmm. on top of the Swiss mountaintop but she's most famous probably for being in the Doctor Who adventure City of Death where she's married to Julian Glover turns out to be an alien alright getting off topic again anyway <laughs> it's got lots of crazy 60s psychedelic mod outfits mm-hmm. and lots of kind of neat jazzy soundtrack stuff and uh, I think it's great I thought it was a lot of fun it's slow paced any science fiction movie before Star Wars is slow paced, but um, <laughs> this, one, this one is particularly slow. But uh, I think everybody liked it a lot when we watched it. So nobody thinks of this when they think of Hammer, but watch it. Oh my God, I, I need to see this thing. I will lend you my copy. Oh, I'd love to. So after this, we get to Lesbian Vampires, which I'm sure is what we were all waiting for. Isn't Correct? that what everybody's waiting for? Yeah. Yeah. So we've got the Vampire Lovers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which 
That is that the one that's based on Camilla? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Vampire Lovers is the one explicitly based on Carm- uh, Sheridan Lefanu's Carmilla. And the plot is pretty close, mm-hmm. uh, but with more, I was going to say more overt lesbianism, but it's pretty overt in the original story, yeah. too. But, but more overt. Yes. There's more. <laughs> yeah, see, Ingrid Pitt as, as Carmilla, as the Carmilla character, it's also got Kate O'Mara. Mm-hmm. Um, go on to play the Ronnie in Doctor Who, among other things, and Joanna Lumley's mom and absolutely, or sister in Absolutely Fabulous. <laughs> uh, Peter Cushing's in that, chopping off vampires' heads. That's mm-hmm. a, yeah, no, it's a terrific movie, and it was. This is a period in in Hammer where they had so a lot of the old guard of Hammer um, stalwarts like Terrence Fisher, mm-hmm. uh, the directors and producers had retired, or some of them had died. They'd gone on to do other things, and there at the this point in America, the the movie industry was in trouble. And what Hammer had done up to this point was they would mock up a a poster, we're going to make this particular movie, and then they would bring it over to America, and they'd go to the various studios, and they would look for financing, and somebody would MGM or whoever would be like, great, make that movie, and mm-hmm. and they'd go back to the studio, and they'd cast it, and they'd write a script, and then they'd have the funding for it. But because of the troubles in the American studios that all dried up. They had to look for different funds from local British sources. And so they wound up um, kind of getting involved in various like shysters and <laughs> theatrical people, you know, people with big cigars and big ideas and <laughs> things like that. Um, so, and, and they started branching out and doing all these other kind of wacky things, some of which were good and some of which weren't. They moved from, I think it was... Pinewood and Bray Studios to Ed, uh, Shepherdin Studios at this point. And so the look of all their movies started to be very different. Um, they started to want to compete with sex because mm-hmm. by now it's 1970 and there's boobs all over movies now and all the Hammer stuff looks quaint by comparison. Mm-hmm. And the, the movies they made here looked quaint almost immediately by comparison with the movies that were being made uh, in other places. But, you know, they were popular enough at the time. So, yeah, the Vampire Lovers started this whole trend of lesbian vampire things that continued with Lust for a Vampire and Twins of Evil and uh, not quite the same thing, Countess Dracula, which was the same mm-hmm. year as Vampire Lovers and also starred Ingrid Pitt. But, yeah, this is, you know, oh, you know, blood-covered naked women <laughs> going around sucking the blood out of other naked women. <laughs> so, so it's, it's great, great, great fun. Yeah. Um, y- yes, yes. Twins of Evil is great because they cast it around two real life twins, Mary and Madeline Collinson, that one of these new producers had seen in Playboy, <laughs> and so they recast the script of this movie to have two real life twins, one of whom becomes evil and a vampire, and the other one doesn't and it's basically fine and that also stars peter cushing and, oh yeah uh and i watched that again the other day and it's much better than you would expect from my reputation it's a little less <laughs> little a little less exploitative there's not really all that much nudity in it and it's got a great peter cushing performance as a, a villain he plays a a witch hunter and so he starts the movie by going around and burning innocent women to death on the suspicion that they're that they're uh, witches and then he gets involved um, fighting the real vampire and the real vampires and stuff like that so there's really not many good people in the movie and it was the first movie he made after his wife died 
which mm. it was a big um, rupture in his career. Uh, mm-hmm. He'd always been um, kind of a melancholy character, and uh, his face was always pretty gaunt. But after his wife died, who and they'd been married for decades or whatever, he really kind of went to pieces. Uh, I think he talked about uh, committing suicide. And you can see it reflected in his face. He's all of a sudden not just gaunt, but skeletal. Ooh. And he threw himself into work uh, in movies like Twins of Evil to just kind of take his mind off things. And so this this real internal pain is visible on his face, even as he's being this evil witch hunter character. There's this real oh. kind of depth of... Of, of sorrow to him that's visible in this and some of the other movies of the time, like the Amicus, the Vault of Horror. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I forget which one uh, it is exactly, but the stuff he makes here, 1971, 72, or whatever it is, this is really actually quite powerful stuff. Let's see, we have Vampire Circus listed next. Ah, don't look at me. Another crazy hammer film right. from about that exact time. It's got Lala Ward, who played Romana oh, 2 yeah. on Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I know that name. Yeah, there's a lot of Miss, Doctor Who overlap. Mrs. Richard Dawkins. Yeah. yeah, Mrs. Richard Dawkins. Yeah, there's a vampire that turns into like a leopard or something. That's another totally wacky one. <laughs> it was probably built around the poster. They made a nice poster and then... then so so it's kind of the lead into some of the really crazy stuff that happened in the 70s, like Captain Kronos and Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. Because Captain Cronus Vampire Hunter, I think, is my favorite Hammer film. Period. Just because it's crazy pants. It's it's wonderful. It's got this real tongue-in-cheek sense of humor. Um, the director is the guy who created the Avengers, so it's got this visual flair to it. There, It's kind of got that same wackiness to it. And I, I just love individual scenes of it, too. Like, there's this wonderful scene where, the, you know, as you can tell from the title, it's about a vampire hunter. And, of course, his sidekick that go across and the, the countryside conquering vampires. There's this wonderful scene where they've got a vampire, like, I think he's tied to a chair. And they're trying to figure out what religion this vampire is so they can figure out what religious symbol works on him. Because different vampires from different areas of the world and different religions react to different Actually, things. Actually, that makes sense. It's I, something yeah. I've always been sort of curious about. Yeah, and it, and it's kind of this wonderfully daffy and horrifying scene because it, it really kind of basically amounts to torture of this poor creature in the chair as they're trying to figure out how to, how to deal with this particular... Which symbol works on it? I can't remember, but oh, I just sad. remember the the ultimate effect of the scene, which is like, oh god. <laughs> well, something's got to be said too for Caroline Monroe is yes! in that movie one of the most beautiful actresses, uh, mm-hmm. at least in my opinion. She's. I know you've she, got this thing for her. Yeah, this thing with Caroline Monroe, she's totally good. She was in um, Sinbad, the Sinbad movie, the, yes, the one with Tom Baker, and in um, Golden Golden Voyage, of Golden Sinbad. Voyage of Sinbad, and also. It wasn't Star Crash, was it? She was Star Crash. She was yeah, in Star with Crash. David right. With David Hasselhoff. With David Hasselhoff. And Christopher Plummer. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, and that's she was a in the Bond movie. She was in Spy Who Loved Me with Roger Moore. Yep. Yeah, but uh, Captain Kronos Vampire Hunter is kind of this delight for the eyes, and it's weird and and wonderful, and I kind of love it. And, of course, that kind of leads into Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires, which I adore. 
door for or what's the alternate title uh, seven brothers versus dracula i think yeah the dra- right. there is no dracula in it yeah in which in which hammer films decided to collaborate with the shaw brothers with, with golden harvest for a movie <laughs> to see how that would go <laughs> oh come so, on that's a great idea it's, it's amazing so it's, so it's it's hammer horror meets martial arts so it's like well and, we can bring peter cushing and julie edge and you can bring a bunch of guys doing kung fu yay, yay! and we'll have a party <laughs> and that's kind of what legend of the seven golden vampires is it's just this weird mashup like bring your chocolate i'll bring my peanut butter let's mash them together and see what works yeah. I don't know if you guys have read any of Kim Newman's novels. He's a contemporary British writer. He's been writing for a number of decades now. He's written a series called Anno Dracula. Yes. The first yeah. book is called Anno yes. Dracula. Yeah. And Bloody Red Baron and various other books from there. He has this kind of mashup syncretic imagination where he uh, likes to take all these kind of media properties and put them into the same book. So I recently reread these. Um, but Anno Dracula and a lot of the other books draw on tons of these hammer horror movies so lots of these characters um i'm forgetting the name of the guy who is the dracula character from brides of dracula but that character is in the books count orlock from nosferatu is in the books dracula himself is in the books of course like that it, yeah i mean it's got i remember reading anna dracula and it was a lovely um victor truly victorian take on the dracula's the dracula mythos of take if you were to recast dracula as a victorian society piece <laughs> uh with with jack the ripper also involved mm-hmm. nice. and i don't know if you remember at one point um the bad guys send a hit person after jean Vievre, and it is mr vampire <laughs> it's, a, it's a hopping Chinese vampire. And I don't there's a remember big... that, but now I need to reread it. So they finally get him off her back by making a deal with Fu Manchu. <laughs> this is terrific stuff. Oh, Anybody who likes lovely. the Hammer movies or Mr. Dracula should read these You need to be love. deep into your Dracula pop culture references to get everything. But even if you aren't, it's still... Yeah. Super enjoyable. And there are footnotes in in the new editions. It explains a lot okay. of the references. Well, that would help because I read it when it first came out and I'm like, I know I'm missing a lot. I'm still enjoying this, but I know I'm missing a lot. There's four books. There's Anno Dracula that takes place in 1888. Bloody Red Baron takes place in the First World War. Dracula Cha 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 <laughs> takes place in Italy in the late 1950s, the La Dolce Vita era. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. And Johnny Alucard takes place in the 1970s through the 1990s. And oh. there's a fifth book that's going to come out in the next couple of years. Not, well, this yeah, because the stuff. 80s vampire stuff is the, pretty... The sections of Johnny Alucard are terrific. One is Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. One is <laughs> Andy Warhol's Dracula. One is Orson Welles' Dracula. <laughs> these are all people who either made, produced, or were going to make a Oh, movie that's it. great. Oh, it's yeah. great stuff. And, and for Hammer fans... All of this shit is all over the place. Tiny, minor, little characters from Captain Kronos, Vampire Hunter show mm-hmm. up and have big roles, things like that. Oh, it's... Ah, ah nice. Uh, nerdgasm there. Sorry. <laughs> that, that, oh, perfectly fine. Okay, what are we going to talk about now, now? Now, we do have to the devil a daughter. Which we can... Do- just, it's the last supernatural yeah. one they made. Uh, it's got Christopher Lee in it. It's also based on a De- Dennis Wheatley story. It's got a very young... Natasha Kinski, 
Very young, very nude Natasha Kinski. <laughs> very is, nude. Well, that's a plus. She's like 16 or 17. You know, kind of creepily young for what they um, what they ask of her in that movie. I remember it being okay, but okay. it's not like anybody would really want to seek it out. Okay. Uh, and it's kind of, it, again, the Hammer era went out with sort of a whimper. They did that and they did a remake of The Lady Vanishes. And then I think that oh, was yeah, it, really. Right. There, yeah, there were some big names in The Lady Vanishes. Remake, Honor Blackman I, was in it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, of course, the they were sold. They mm-hmm. were bought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a and couple of times. They, they yeah, went dormant for a long time. They went dormant. Then somebody bought them and was like, I'm going to totally make movies. Then they didn't. And then somebody else bought them and was like, I'm going to totally make movies. And I think that, I think this third company is the company that is revitalizing them. Yeah. Because Hammer Films in the 2010s have, they, they've started making movies again. Yeah. Good ones. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, no, most notably, the, these are movies that we've taken on in length in other podcasts. I mean, we've we've talked about Let Me In, which is the remake of Let the Right One In, which is actually really, really, really good. Really good. And The Woman in Black, which, which is so good. Yeah. It's so good. You guys need to see it. That's you the one like with it. Harry Potter? Yes, it's okay. got Harry Potter in yeah, it. Yeah, Daniel Radcliffe. And and we'll look, uh, we'll link the, the relevant Xanadu episodes in our show notes if you oh, want to learn more about those. Seriously, Daniel Radcliffe is excellent in The Woman in Black. Yeah, I am actually rather impressed with Daniel Radcliffe's post-Harry Potter career so far. That is a man. I am impressed with Daniel Radcliffe because that is a man who decided... That he wanted to be good at it. Yeah. And he went and he did the work. Because he was not a good child actor. If you go watch the first Harry Potter movie. He <laughs> yeah. is not a good child actor. And he got steadily better through the movies. And somewhere along the way he decided that he wanted to be good at it. And he started doing theater. Mm-hmm. And then he started putting the work in. And by the last Harry Potter film, you've forgotten the fact that he wasn't a good actor at all. Yeah. He's and good. then he's starring on Broadway and how to succeed without really trying where he is singing and dancing, dancing a very tough show, by the way, that is a show that demands that the lead male actor dance his ass off and he does it. <laughs> and I wish to Christ I'd gotten to see him live on Broadway. I've only seen like YouTube clips of what he pulled off. It's so amazing. And so here's this this young actor and he's starting to deliver. And I, that's part of why I really enjoy The Woman in Black, because first off, the story is just great. But secondly, it's like, look at you. Look at you. <laughs> Yay. You're doing it. You're having a career. Because Rupert Grint, not nothing. And and um, But Hermione's a talking Her- at the UN these days. Her- yeah, Hermione is. is making, she is, I mean, she was in Perks of Being a Wallflower. She's mm-hmm. doing stuff, but she... Is not has not broken in the same way that Daniel Radcliffe has. So. Yeah, I liked him on Extras. He was pretty good in Horns. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he and he's been doing work everywhere. He's oh, been yeah. doing theater stuff. He's been doing TV stuff. He's been doing small appearances. You can tell this is somebody that either through his own his own talent or because he's got a manager helping along the way, or somewhere in between both. That he is doing a very good job of picking projects. Yeah. 
And that always impresses me because it's so hard after you've been a blockbuster star to translate that into an actual career. True. He did Equus. He He did did, Equus. He did Equus in the British West End, in the London West End. Mm -hmm. And that was the first big theatrical role. And that was the point where I'm like, you're trying to actually learn how to be an actor, Mm -hmm. not just a movie star. I give you mad props for that. Yeah. Really impressive. And then when he when he went and he did the work to, to sing and dance his way through How to Succeed, I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> because the way to Wendy's heart is through musical. Well, there's musicals and there's musicals. How to Succeed, <laughs> How to Succeed is big time musical. That's musical with a capital M. <laughs> that is a rough show. You know, Christopher Lee has kind of a second career as a singer, too. Yeah, because he did that heavy metal album about yeah, Charlemagne, about Charlemagne. right? <laughs> I also have he, a... did. he did! <laughs> okay, we need to find some sort of YouTube clip and put oh, it in the I, show. I, I, I will it. link it. I will link it. Yeah. That's awesome. But yeah, yeah. And he, he's kind of gotten this weird career revival through Lord of the Rings, and then, and then suddenly there's a heavy metal album. <laughs> he, he always wanted to be an opera singer. Uh, yeah. It, his voice is kind of pompous and (laughs) well he is christopher lee yeah uh i have an album of his called devil's rogues and other villains i think (laughs) sings like ghost riders in the sky and streets of laredo i think maybe mac the knife is on there i don't know oh my god whoa it's it's fun stuff when the Um, shark bites i might be making that up i I don't i I don't remember but i mean he certainly he sings he he certainly sings some wagner okay um, (laughs) Yeah. Wow! Oh my god! And then yeah, the Charlemagne album. Which oh, my is god. Lot of fun, so. oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh, I should have brought her over. You oh, guys. that's brilliant! <sighs> oh, that's brilliant! This has been a very wandery sort of episode. Oh, it has, but that that's okay. That's, that's okay. okay. We'll have to revisit Hammer at some some later point. We'll hit some other Hammer film. There, yeah. there's a lot of Hammer to hit. There's a lot Hammer. to do. You know what? When you've got a hammer film, everything looks like a nail. (laughs) Ah! I said it. Ah. I'm a comedy genius. Do you have one for us? I do. I do. All right. Okay. So we have a listener. We have a listener suggestion. All right. We do. So this isn't isn't a full questions set. This is not a full question set. This is just a listener suggestion. And I rather liked it. And I think it's sort of suitable to this episode. All right. Well, I will ask you, who are you? Uh, This is William Donahue, one of our Bryans. One of our Bryans who doesn't go by Brian. Yes. Go with us. Just be there. (laughs) Yes. Relax and relax deep into it. It's okay. And his comment, which came came in on episode 12, oddly enough. (laughs) Wasn't that like 25 years ago? Just about. Or at least that many bottles of wine. I was going to say that. Great minds. All right. So Brian's comment is, in the catacombs under my pleasure dome, Dana Andrews appears in the Frozen Dead. Oh, yeah, Dana Andrews. I know, right? Uh, I saw it when I was about nine on the local late night horror show, and had nightmares for a week after. It was those disembodied reanimated reanimated arms. It was those disembodied reanimated arms that got to me. And then there's a link. Show notes. Yes, show notes. We will have the link to Dana Andrews appearing in The Frozen Dead. Excellent. Yes. Excellent. That would be good. So, yes. You should do a double feature with Night of the Demon with Dana Andrews. 
Ooh, yes, Night of the Demon. And Curse of the Demon. Same, right? same movie. Yep. Same movie. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. So much Dana Andrews. Also, film noirs with Dana Andrews in general. In general. Mm, yes. Laura. Well, and we're starting a film noir uh, podcast. We are. We yeah. Are. The two of you. Yeah. Specific well, what, with with uh, Ellie Illingsberg. So three women doing film noir. Nice. Yeah. Should yeah. Be a good perspective on it. Yeah. Mm. We're gonna have so much fun. It, it's mostly an excuse to watch a shitload of film noir. Yeah. Either of you guys. So in, oh wait. In let's, this let's case, close it. Oh, let, in this wait, case, right. it will also yeah. be us watching stuff. So instead of me being like, I don't know what you're talking about, I actually will have seen it and will have something to say. Yeah, it's going to be a subset of real education. Nice. So we're actually going to watch the movie and then talk about it for an hour. Yeah. Just go deep dive which i really think will be fun and yeah. very educational for me so you were going to ask about wait no we should so we finish should end, this. end the podcast hey yeah we should close it oh hey hey thank you listeners for joining us on this podcast about hammer films and you hammer. know i i think we we enjoyed this enough and there's so much hammer films to talk about we need to return to this subject oh, at some later yeah. date yeah Ma- you know sledge hammer maybe do a whole episode <laughs> about quater mass Oh, that'd be fun! Wouldn't that be great? And we'll mm-hmm. have Pat back, and we will we will talk some Quatermass. And I will always want it to be Quartermass. I will. I'm I sorry, Quatermass sounds wrong. That's only twenty five percent of the mass, yeah. though. No, we have to. <laughs> we need a we need a quate of a yeah. mass, not a quarter. We of we, a mass. we will talk Quatermass and the stone tape, just because I will make that happen. Okay. All, <laughs> All right. right. All right. I so, look forward to it. Excellent. Yay. Thank you very much for joining us. Pat. Thank you for having me. This has Yay. been a lot of fun. Thanks, ladies. Yay. And thank you, dear listeners, for joining us. We will see you next week. Well, talk to you. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah. It's a good thing you can't see us. Really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to be laser focused. Laser focused. It's going to be laser focused. Shut up. Laser focused. Leisure focused. You have very little room to judge me because judgy McJudger face. Mm, Really?